My message is that it doesn't have to really be that complicated. So there are nice ways to take what operators have today for Wi-Fi. And by just adding some smart software on the control plane, I think they can make use of the existing gateways, the existing Wi-Fi infrastructure, and still sort of make the 3GPP convergence architecture happen. Hello, this is Martha DeGrasse here for Wi-Fi Alliance, and this is The Signal, our podcast where we give you the inside track on Wi-Fi. These are meant to be smart conversations with industry leaders. We want to deliver a new perspective on the growing portfolio of Wi-Fi technologies that we see changing the connectivity landscape. Okay, in this episode, we are delighted to be joined by Jonas Bjorklund of Enea. He is VP of the Attilo product line. Jonas, thanks very much for making time to join us on The Signal today. Thank you so much for having me here. Let's start by hearing a little bit about Aptilo, your product line, and what's been recently developing for you. All right. So Aptilo is focused on Wi-Fi and IoT solutions, Wi-Fi service management, particularly for service providers. Aptilo was acquired two years ago by the company Enea, another Swedish telecom software and cybersecurity company. So we're now under the logo of Enea, and I'm leading the Aptilo product line within Enea. Okay, great. And I think that your solutions are particularly applicable in the area of Wi-Fi service management. Is that right? That's right. We've been in that space for 20 years now. Our typical customer is a tier one, tier two operator that has a large Wi-Fi network in, in different verticals in different places. And they use our solution to manage the services on top of that to use it for offloading of their mobile network or for B2B services towards enterprises and to monetize and make the most out of their Wi-Fi network. Okay, great. So when you say a tier one or tier two operator, you typically mean mobile operator. I'd say our typical typical customer is someone that is both, that have a fixed infrastructure to leverage and make use of in, in, in conjunction with the mobile network. But many of our operators are mobile. There's also fixed cable operators that use our solution quite a bit. Okay, great. So things like Wi-Fi calling are probably what you enable, right? Wi-Fi calling is one application, yeah. So we provide the the policy and authentication layer for Wi-Fi calling. And then in the B2B space, uh-huh. it's it's more about like an enterprise to welcome their guests, public spaces to monetize and onboard their visitors, whether it's an enterprise environment, you're a guest to a host to come to a meeting. We have solutions to enable that. So a service provider would, a part of their Wi-Fi offering and connectivity offering to an enterprise, they can add those services on top but also into retail spaces, into hospitality, into airports, different types of locations where users want to get on as easy as possible and the location owner wants to hopefully learn a little bit about who's visiting and communicate with them. That's Uh, great. So that sounds like a money-making opportunity, the last scenario you described. So obviously it sounds like service providers are, are monetizing your service. And then the enterprise as well, is there a play for them or... In some markets, people still pay for Wi-Fi, but in most markets, it's something they sort of expect for free. So it's a a utility. And then it's only for the operator, it's a revenue opportunity to sell this as a service to the enterprise that wants to offer a really good service to their visitors and to to whoever relates to them come there. So that's how in the free Wi-Fi network, somebody is paying, right? And that's, that's the one that provides the service to their happy visitors and happy customers. 
Uh, and of course, then what we do is to help the service provider bring more value to the enterprise. Like I said, not just have happy visitors, but also learn a little bit about them to create analytics from that and also communicate with them right? without compromising the end user experience. Because we as, as end users, when we go somewhere, we would like to as seamless and secure as possible get access. So we deal with that compromise and to right, make it uh, and the most value for everybody. And the as well for the end users, right? I'm sure you're... Absolutely, that's there. So in, in Europe with the GDPR regulation, that's a big thing, of course, that we have full support for. So that worry is off the table both for the end user and for the enterprise and for the service provider. Has Wi-Fi 6 changed your business? Yes, it has. It's a new optimism from service provider, new enthusiasm for Wi-Fi. I think with Wi-Fi 6, they can feel that with OFDMA, it's more similar to what they're used to in the 3GPP in the license radio. So they feel that they can deliver quality service that they really can trust and have as part of their network. They can really see that they have devices moving from the 4G, 5G networks onto Wi-Fi. And thanks to Wi-Fi 6, they can trust that in a good way. Also with Wi-Fi 6E and the added spectrum in 6 gigahertz, of course, that brings a lot of interest in the fact that they you know, can get access to all of that extra spectrum, which is very valuable to them to deliver services. Because a lot of those devices might be outdoors, right? I think so, too. Yeah, I mean, 6E is great for, for all. Of, I mean, it's a big shift, of course, that a lot of people talk to, that Spectrum is really the foundation of it all, where we can have so much more use cases on top of a network that has that added capacity. Great. So have you seen any interesting enterprise IoT use cases that you can highlight for us? Yeah, I would say the most interesting thing is when there's many devices that uh, an enterprise would like to connect. So it could be in the healthcare space where you want to have an IoT device on every patient. I mean, in, in a hospital, if it's a large hospital, I mean, that could be thousands of devices that needs to stay connected. And Wi-Fi is a really good technology to keep them connected with the little problem today of onboarding those devices and keep them onboarded securely on the network. I think that's where... We come in and provide help with that. And rather than having a manual process where like the IT manager of a hospital has to spend hours every day to keep these devices as they get replaced on do the Wi-Fi network. And but do you also need channel segregation, though? Because you've got all the people coming in, visiting the hospital, and then you've got connected devices. There's a lot going on in a hospital. There's a lot going on. The a lot of, a lot of it Wi-Fi. is critical uh, applications as well. So, of course, there's a play in those environments also for licensed technology, 4G, 5G, for some parts of the network and some, some type of devices. And then there's a play for Wi-Fi as well in that. And then there's, of course, the industrial space. I mean, there's already lots of Wi-Fi being used and devices without keyboards or a display, right? So you need a way to authenticate them and keep them on the network without having a big manual process to do so. We also have some use cases where you have trucks that comes into service stations or logistics centers, and they have been on the road with 3G, 4G connectivity, soon 5G connectivity, but they still typically gather so much analytics data so that when they are stationary for a little bit and have Wi-Fi coverage, they should use that Wi-Fi network to offload all of that analytic data. They have collected millions of events that they can tracking and collect as they are driving on the road. And then again, you need a way to securely authenticate and keep these trucks seamlessly authenticated and online when they are in this Wi-Fi location. Could also be a car that stops at a gas station or electric car that stops for charging. When they have the opportunity, 
it's usually quite valuable to switch them onto Wi-Fi. Sure. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. So you said earlier that it's it's a new spring for carrier Wi-Fi, and, and you mentioned a minute ago the, the role that maybe cellular can play in, for example, a hospital. So all that gets to the idea of Wi-Fi cellular convergence. And before the podcast, we were talking about how that there was a spec in 4G for Wi-Fi traffic and the mobile core, but no carriers did it. I think you told us that before the podcast, right? right? So do you yeah, think in 5G they will? Yeah, with 5G now, again, the 3GPP specification puts functionality in place, suggests how to do it to bring the data traffic from the Wi-Fi network into the mobile core. And that was around already for 3G and 4G. Yeah. And us vendors were quite enthusiastic about that idea that we would bring all the Wi-Fi traffic to the mobile core because you can do nice things in the mobile core. But in practice, I don't think it was a business case for it. It's quite costly to take the large volumes of traffic you have in Wi-Fi on, onto the mobile core. Apart from, I would say, voice services. So, so you mentioned Wi-Fi calling in the beginning, right? That Wi-Fi calling is a tunnel from the mobile device onto the mobile core so that it can access the IMS for the voice service. But your general data consumption on Wi-Fi, you don't bring onto the mobile core in 4G. Now in 5G, again, a lot of people are looking at what you can call true convergence, where you have the same IP address, you have an end-to-end connection to the mobile core. And I think now maybe with 5G, there are more critical services on on the user plane function, as it's called, in the 5G standalone infrastructure, so that operators would like to start to do that. And there's an emerging, or it's a standardized technology that's been suggested by 3GPP. It's not yet in our devices. It's called ATSSS, so ATSSS. And the SS stands for steering, switching, and splitting. Okay. So it's kind of the holy grail of Wi-Fi offloading, if you will, because then you will have the means to tell a device when it should stay on the cellular network and when it should go to Wi-Fi. Like the, the use cases we talked for IoT before applies here. This would be an important factor, but also on our, on our smartphones, whether we are driving by a Wi-Fi hotspot or if we're actually stationary and should switch over to it. So the steering is one important component that we get here. And then we have the switching where you have two radios at the same time. So you don't have this, I don't know if you noticed, if you're on a Teams call and you walk out of your Wi-Fi, it doesn't work that well. You drop the call, you sometimes have to hang up and go back in again. So with switching, you can have the two radios on your device on at the same time. And the solution we take care of using multipath technology to bring a seamless experience. Even use both of them if two networks are available for a long time. You can use both of them for high capacity. And that's also the the splitting part of the The third S is the splitting to use both. One of the reasons you need to have the traffic into the core is so if I walk out and switch over to another network, I can still talk to the people in the room that yeah. are on the team's So call. this ATSSS, it could live outside of the mobile operator. You, you can imagine such solutions to be on the Internet and those functionalities be implemented. But the, really the natural place for it to live is on the mobile core, on the user plane function and be a service provided to you from your operator in order to improve your experience and going between these networks in a nice way. But this is some time away. The devices needs to get support for it and the the infrastructure around it needs to be in place. And then, of course, we all need to update our devices to have support for this. But I think with this coming, and this is something where operator would like to, to go, then the whole idea of bringing traffic into the mobile core becomes 
important and crucial again. Because it's sort of this vision to have this better support for going in and between networks is really dependent on that. Yeah, you make a great case for it. So is there further work that 3GPP needs to do, or that's all in place, and it's just up to the operators and the device makers? Uh, it's, it's sort of all in place. There's, there's some development on the ATSSS, where it's now TCP multipath, and there's, there's would like to have the same also with UDP, uh, because we have more and more of our applications are on UDP. Now I'm getting very technical, but, but in short, most of the things are there from a standardization point of view. It's okay. more for the devices and the backend infrastructure to catch up. And so you're endorsing support from the operators. It sounds like that you think they will be interested. What about the device makers? They'll follow suit, you think? Yeah, absolutely. So whether they, I guess the verdict is out as usual, to what extent they collaborate with the service provider or if they want to own this functionality themselves. Oh. So it's a, it's, it's a case of where the control will be. Okay. So I, I would make a case for it to be service provider has a good role to play here. It would be suitable. So I, I would wish for the device manufacturers to collaborate and, and make it possible for service provider to, to take a role there. So I think that's there, and that makes people look at the 3GPP specifications now for all of this integration. But a point I like to make is that they look very complicated. There's a lot of new boxes, you could call them, but logical functions that 3GPP has panned out. We've written a white paper where we go into some depth on this to describe what to make of the specifications that 3GPP has provided for Wi-Fi and 5G convergence. But my message is that it doesn't have to really be that complicated. So there are nice ways to take what operators have today for Wi-Fi. And by just adding some smart software on the control plane, I think they can make use of the existing gateways, the existing Wi-Fi infrastructure, and still sort of make the 3GPP convergence architecture happen. So that's something people can talk to us about, how we can help them go towards this goal of making the convergence better and making the transition between Wi-Fi and 5G smoother. Sounds like it's going to be an important topic and getting more important. Yeah, I think it's important to tell the people running Wi-Fi networks today, service providers, that it's not a huge forklift necessarily. This is something that they can, can actually get done probably more easy than they think. We don't hear that very often. <laughs> it's usually the opposite. All right. Jonas Bjorklund of Anea, VP of the Aptilo product line. Thank you so much for being here on The Signal. Thank you. And that is our show. You can check the show notes for links to some of the resources we discussed today. And as always, for all things Wi-Fi related, visit y-fi.org, wifi.org. That's the Wi-Fi Alliance. You can also find links there to past episodes of this podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and please join us next time for The Signal.